Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem. Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, Visit JiffyLube.com. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is Hey Sunday in the Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Chanchi We are cooking. We are rocking and rolling right here on the Ringer Podcast Network and I know we went through a period over the last couple of days where baseball was absent and was not present in our particular everyday lives. I wish the baseball went away for the rest of 2023. I've had enough. I've seen enough. After sitting down and watching the Yankees go and lose two out of three to the pathetic loser Colorado Rockies. It's Tua time. It's Tyreek and Jalen Waddle time. I know you Jet fans are dying for Rodgers. I know you Giant fans are hoping everything gets straightened out with Saquon Barkley. I can't watch the Yankees anymore. I will continue to do it. I will continue to be the village idiot that is watching these games night after night after night. They are awful. They stink. You remember that Mike video from a long time ago? They stink. Yeah, they do. This game against Colorado made me wish 
that I didn't have to watch another game for the remainder of this season. Misery doesn't begin to describe it. Listen, there have been a lot of terrible Yankee losses, so I don't want to go and give you the laundry list of, you know, top four, top five games this year. This game against the Rockies. First of all, the Rockies cannot get anybody out. The fact that the Yankees, they blanked the way that they did on Friday night where they scored two runs in the first inning and do nothing else outside of the John Carlos Stanton homer. Then you get the Sunday's game. And basically, the only way the Yankees can go and score a run is with the Colorado Rockies kicking the baseball around on the IKF play, which gave Garrett Cole a lead. And the fact that Garrett Cole doesn't win this game, the fact that Garrett Cole gets a no decision is a total joke. He was brilliant in a place that is always very challenging and very difficult to go and pitch at at Coors Field. Garrett Cole was masterful. He earned that all-star spot from a Yankee perspective and basically picked up right where he left off. Unfortunately, the Yankees, as a team, forget about the lineup, forget about As a team, they picked up right where they left off. Last Sunday, when we were in Seattle getting ready for all-star festivities and all that good stuff, and they had the Cub meltdown. Well, this one, just as good. Because you have a two-run lead in the eighth inning, the vaunted Yankee bullpen, which... It's been very good all year. It has a lot of talent. It also is a bullpen that, let's be honest, it's a little bit overrated. It's not the Yankee bullpen of Stanton, Nelson, and Rivera. It's a good bullpen. It's a better bullpen than most. But it it just goes to show you what kind of year it's been. Tommy Canely gets himself into trouble. Then you get the infield single to load the bases. Then Clay Holmes yucks it up. Chief, what are you going to do? Happens. You have a couple runners on base. Boom, he gives up a grand slam. I feel for Holmes because he's coming in in a brutal spot, impossible situation. That's why I kind of refer to it in the cheap variety because it's not like a closer is coming into the game, clean inning, loads the bases, and then gives up the salami. He comes in, boom. Got to go and make a pitch. So I, I, I feel for a reliever in that regard. But then the Yankees go and tie the ball game up. Thanks to the Colorado Rockies kicking the baseball around. Clay Holmes can't continue to pitch. The guy threw four or five pitches. That's it. He's done. That did not sit well with me. Then you go through the extra innings. And when Peraza, who's up for Josh Donaldson, gets the hit, And when Cabrera gets to hit and the Yankees go up by two, I'm like, okay. In theory, they should be okay and they should be all right. Barely by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin to go and win this game against the lowly Colorado Rockies. And then I got to watch Nick Ramirez come into the game. And this is what I mean when it comes to the bullpen mismanagement that you've seen from Aaron Boone. And this game's not on Aaron Boone. Like, listen, look. We, I, I feel like I say this to him, blue in the face. I'm not a fan of the Yankee manager. The Yankee manager is a part of the problem. He's not the problem. But to say he's good at his job is insulting to my intelligence. And his bullpen management is not particularly good. The idea that he's bringing in Nick Ramirez, I don't care if it's lefty on lefty. I'm sorry. It doesn't sit well with me. He gives up the homer to tie the game. And then, of course, Marinaccio goes and gives up the homer to win the game. 
Bad teams find ways to lose. And the Yankees, despite the fact that there are a couple of games over the 500 mark, which they are, they have looked like, they have felt like, they have played like a bad baseball team. And reality setting in, you know, you're going to hear a lot of these pundits make the argument, oh, the Yankees, they're, they're, they're going to be big-time buyers. And maybe they are. Maybe they're going to be in on Bellinger, who they could have, oh, by the way, signed in the offseason. Now they're going to go and give up prospects for Cody Bellinger. Or maybe they're going to be in on Gritchick, who homered against them on Friday night. Well, guess what? The Yankees are 50 and 44. The Yankees are tied with the Boston Red Sox for last place in the American League East. That's why I go back to what they said at the beginning of the year. And I'm glad that somebody, I don't know who asked the question today, but they pressed Aaron Boone about the idea of the Yankees being a championship caliber organization. That was a question, believe it or not, that was brought up. And I applaud the media member who brought it to Aaron Boone's attention. And Boone was like dismissive of it, saying all like, like, like basically, oh, it happens that you lose two out of three to the Colorado Rockies. Not when you're in last place. Not when you're in the position that the Yankees are in, especially after what happened going into the All-Star break. Don't minimize this. Don't, don't try to say, oh, no big deal. Can't win all. What kind of nonsense is that? This is exactly what I'm talking about with the Yankee organization as a whole. And it's not just the manager. The front office thinks way too highly of themselves. The analytics department thinks way too highly of themselves. The scouting department thinks way too highly of themselves. Where exactly are the Yankees a championship operation? In what particular area? Please, enlighten. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm the moron. Maybe I'm living under a rock. Maybe I'm just not watching the same games that folks within the Yankee organization are watching. They think they're really good at their jobs. They really do. And that we're the idiots. That we're the suckers. Always. How dare they? How dare Jastrzemski? How dare any of these media members who have platforms rip us? When in reality, they haven't won a pennant in 13 years. They haven't won a World Series in 13 years. They're nowhere close to that particular goal. Anyone I don't, I don't even want to hear, and I got into a little spirited debate via text with my buddy Mike Fliegelman over the weekend, who's basically telling me, and, and I get his point, oh, the AL's not that good, the Yankees will find a way. Find a way to what? What, Bear again in the playoffs? Even if they get in, what is this team doing with this lineup and with the way they're constructed? Who honestly in their right headspace could sit there and tell me that this is going to be the team to break through? that this is going to be the year they break through. They're not. If you could tell me right now, Yankees missed the playoffs, but I get wholesale changes, done. And I don't mean the manager or the manager and the GM. I'm talking about within the entire organization. You know, one of my colleagues, Andy Martino, I like, good guy. He's got a book coming out about the, the great, Legacy of Brian Cashman. Please, great legacy. What, from 20 years ago? Like, what legacy? The idea that his team's losing the playoffs year after year after year, that he's too stubborn, that he's too stuck in his ways to adopt and, and, and maybe change his mindset and his approach? I, I can't wait for that one. 
Imagine the idea of bouquets being thrown away of anybody within this Yankee organization right now. Give me a freaking break. Picking up right where they left off. Losing two out of three to the lowly Colorado Rockies. Go get it. Yeah, I can't wait to watch the Yankees over the next two and a half months. What a what what a joy that's going to be. Now, it ain't much better from a Mets standpoint. And don't, don't let today fool you. So the Mets avoid a sweep. I got to give credit where credit is due because we've roasted Scherzer for coming up small in basically every big game imaginable for the Mets. Now, when you're as many games under 500 as they are, I don't know if this necessarily qualifies as a big game. It is an elite-level opponent, the Dodgers. You are trying to snap a losing skid. So if you want to tell me it's a big game, be my guest. But I'll applaud the performance. Seven innings, one hit. I thought he could have pitched the eighth inning, quite frankly. And was magnificent against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Like, that is the version of Max Scherzer. I think a whole lot of Mets fans wanted to see maybe against the Padres last week or in the postseason against the Padres or down a stretch against the Atlanta Braves and a lot of the bigger starts that Scherzer has had in Met uniform. But on Sunday, give credit where credit is due. Max pitched an amazing game. Eighth inning, I couldn't believe he decides, Showalter, to manage the bullpen the way that he did in not going, let's say, to David Robertson. Where I'm like, all right, tie game. You got the first two games of this series going as poorly as they did. It, it, it's got to be Robertson, right? Like, it's got to be Robertson to start the inning. Or it's got to be Scherzer to start the inning. Who are we looking at to start the eighth inning? Got who you got from the Seattle Mariners. And he was not particularly good. He gives up a hit to Mookie Betts. The Dodgers tied a game. And at, at that point in time, I think the Mets are going to lose. With the way things are going for them, I absolutely thought they were going to lose. Robertson, two scoreless innings. Then you go to extra innings. Guillaume was bunting. In fact, he almost got hit while he was trying to bunt. They take it off with two strikes. I don't know why Dave Roberts didn't move his infield back, but he didn't. He kept the corners in, and Louis G hits the double down the line, and the Mets avoid disaster in salvaging the third game in the series against the Dodgers. But so much for the Mets making a statement over the course of this weekend that we're in it, that we're going to go and be heard from, that we're going to make our mark early against one of the best teams in the National League. No, n- none of that this weekend. Verlander walked six guys. It was a grind. It was a struggle. There were base runners galore, and it was only a matter of time before he got bit on Friday night. And then Saturday was probably one of the worst losses the Mets have had all year. So I'm not trying to bury the lead here at all. I was actually, you know, normally I never work on Saturdays in the evening. Here we'll do a pod from time to time. But over at SOY, I never work on Saturdays. Usually Saturday is like my my get right day, my recharge day. But because I was in Seattle, we got the wedding coming up. I was like, all right, I'll work Saturday night. I was really happy I worked Saturday night. That Met game was deplorable. You know, the Yankee game Sunday was bad. Well, the Met game Saturday, Alonzo, and then Pete after the game, trying to sit there and tell you that he made a good throw on a double play based on what? Throw is an airmail. It's awful. Leads to the go-ahead run the score. Then the bottom of the inning, you got first and third, nobody out. Cannon pops out, first pitch. Beatty overmatch, strikes out. And then, I, I forget, Louis G strikes out. Great at-bats by the Mets. And in the ninth inning, they feel like they were in the SNY softball game with Beatty not being able to catch pop. 
That's the sort of game that tells you it ain't happening for the Mets. After what you saw this weekend, is there any Yankee Mets fan out there saying, you know what? Our team is going to go on a run. Our team is really going to put it together. This format might keep you in. In theory, one of these teams, Yankees obviously have a better chance to do so due to the mathematics, could, in theory, make their way into the postseason. But how could anybody honestly look at the Yankees at the Mets, look at the first 90-plus games of the regular season, and then sit there and tell me, yeah, I, I think these teams have what it takes. Unless you are delusional, unless you are sipping Kool-Aid, unless you are living under a rock, you're ready for football season. That's where I'm at. I can't wait for the football season to start. We'll be fired up about that. And I'm sure the Yankees and the Mets will get me more fired up between now and Labor Day. I guarantee it. But remember this conversation. And remember what we saw right out of the All-Star break. More the same. For the underwhelming, disappointing, and without a doubt, we're one of the teams in town. Delusional. To their mindset and where they're at 90-plus games into this campaign. A couple of quick hitters before we get to some voicemails. Saquon deadline Monday for whether or not he's going to play on the franchise tag. I know there are going to be a lot of Giant fans sweating out the possibility that he could hold out and go down the Le'Veon Bell Road. There is no chance that Saquon Barkley is going to go and sit out this regular season. It's not his way. It's not what he's about. Could additional animosity and friction build between the two camps? Yeah. But let's make something perfectly clear here. I love the Giants' approach when it comes to Saquon. I love it. As terrific as he was last season, he's a running back. I know he feels he's valued at a certain number. I know he's looking around the league and he feels, hey, this is what so-and-so is getting. This is what this guy is getting. This is what I am worth. That's fine. It's one of the more dime a dozen positions in the NFL. It's not quarterback. It's not corner. It's not tackle. The Giants are handling this perfectly. And this is the difference between the front office that you have now and the front office that you've had in years past. I don't know if you would have made the playoffs last year with Dave Gettleman as your general manager because he was incompetent and so in over his head. But this is the sort of guy that Dave Gettleman would go and give a $100 million contract to. Wouldn't think twice about it. And would just totally disregard any of the cap principles and sort of framework that you need to have in order to run an NFL team the right way. So it might get hairy for a couple of days. I'm telling you, it's going to be A-OK uh, with Saquon Barkley. The other thing I wanted to bring up, and I was into it today because it was rainy. It was you know, just one of those days in the morning. You didn't want to go anywhere aside from running a few errands. But I was into the tennis today. And maybe it's because I'm playing a lot of tennis now. I'm not very good. Kate and I are playing all the time. We play in the park in Brooklyn. She's better than me, but you know, I have my moments. What those two guys did today at Wimbledon was amazing to watch. I mean, just the back and forth, the, the finesse, the skill. And this Alcatraz is, is some player. 
So I'm not going to pretend to be Mr. Tennis and tell you the entire background of his career and what he brings to the table. I know, you know, the Spaniard. I was rooting for him. Djokovic has won enough. Listen, he's a great all-time player. He's one of the best, maybe the best to ever do it. I like new blood. So I'm sitting there. I'm rooting for Alcatraz throughout this thing. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, damn, three hours in, four hours in, five hours in. Just high stakes drama across the board. So we don't talk a whole lot of tennis on this podcast. I'm not going to pretend that I know a whole lot about tennis for that matter. That was phenomenal, phenomenal theater. It really was. It was edge of your seat, excitement that you could only hope to have down a stretch of a major. So. Watching that sort of performance makes me at least a little bit more intrigued, maybe to watch some of the U.S. Open in late August and early September. Of course, until the football season gets started. That was really, really cool to see. All right, we'll have some voicemails. Then you know what else we're going to do? We'll get you ready for the British. We'll have some early NFL win totals that I'm going to throw by our guy, Mike Carver, who's one of our betting guys, comes in, sports grid. I know he's got an alternate win total. It might be an under that you might want to play, that you might want to check out. We've had this conversation over text. And maybe some make-to-miss playoffs and some futures. I wanted to do this with Carver. It's long overdue, and he's ready for the British Open. So he's going to join us for voicemails. They're coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use gift mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. All right, before we get to voicemails, so SNY Softball, great time. I love playing at Brooklyn Cyclones Park, Mamonides Park, whatever the hell they're calling it these days. Game two, it's like a, a tournament style, the way they set it up uh, at SNY. So my team gets smoked in the first game. I got a workout in left field. Made a bunch of catches. James Ward, our steam producer, hit one over my head for a home run. Give him credit. But then we get to the second game. Why do I bring this up? So the second game, we're basically dealing with like the left field fence, which is like a little bit of a mini green monster. My buddy Edelstein hits a ball. I think for sure I got a beat on it. Now, I had not played left field with this setup. So I'm going back on it. I'm going back on it. I'm going back on it. And boom, back, neck, a little bit of the back of my head, right into the wall. Do not catch the ball. Just over my reach. But I had no idea the wall was there. Still hurting. So I'm going to play a lot shallower next year when I play left field at that park because if it's hit over your head, you probably ain't catching it anyway, and I don't got to deal with the after effects and the soreness and all the nonsense and the stress and the odds of the after the fact. So Yankees this weekend, 
combined with SOI soreness, I'm hurting as we get ready for voicemails at 917-382-1151. Uh, let's get right to it. Another dandy weekend for these baseball teams. Steph, let's go. Steven Brooklyn. Um, the Yankees made Austin Gomber and Chase Anderson look like crime. Randy Johnson and Kirk Schilling this weekend. But that's not the story. The story is that as a Yankees fan, you shouldn't be that mad because the team's not going anywhere. So who cares? Championship or nothing was the model many years ago. And once again, year 14, 15, whatever it is now, there is no championship on the way. And there is not much hope in the future in terms of what this team looks like, what's coming up the pipeline. Um, but my commentary just is in regards to the Yankees and team building. And I've always to this, but how Bryce Harper is in the outfield today. How Freddie Freeman is in at first base over Anthony Rizzo. How Arenado or Seager aren't playing third base instead of Donaldson. Um, this is a half-measured organization for many years now and a money-making operation, which is all Hal cares about. I guarantee you Hal did not watch a single inning this weekend. He doesn't care. Next weekend, there's next bobble at night. Plenty of fans will be there. Plenty of chicken buckets will be sold. That's all that matters. When you have the revenue stream the Yankees have, not go out there and get the big names over the last couple of years make this team a championship team again is it's a sickening because it's one franchise we root for in New York that has expectations. Not the Rangers, not the Knicks, not the Jets. This the Yankees and the Yankees fans we sound spoiled, but they have expectations and you know, we have our right to have those high expectations based on the money they make, based on the history they have. And I always rail against how and I will defend Cashman only in so far as if they'd had Manny Machado or Arenado, there's no Josh Donaldson. If you got the green light for the A-list talent, which he hasn't had, mind you, it's all about getting the A-list guys. The Yankees, the hotel, do not go after those guys. It's all about half measures, half measure, half measure. And it's why the Yankees are where they are. They're in no man's land. This team stinks. And another year, down the drain. Thanks, Jay. Steve, I understand that frustration. And I totally feel the same way you do when it comes to Bryce Harper. But the Yankees did go and give Garrett Cole a gazillion dollars a couple of years ago in the offseason. Did they not? They went this offseason and made sure that Aaron Judge was going to be a Yankee and gave him a gazillion dollars. And they gave Rodon plenty of money. And their payroll, whether it's being used properly or not, is still Yankee-like. You want to tell me that there are times they've missed out on the best player? You're not wrong. But this is also the same organization that took $25 million and willingly took Josh Donaldson off the Minnesota Twins' hands. So that's where I beg to differ a little bit. Listen, I'm not defending the ownership of Hal Steinbrenner. I'm not. He's not his father. There isn't that same killer instinct. There isn't that same will to win. I, I, I think you're spot on with a lot of those points. I really do. But I think the Yankee problem is not as simple as the owner. He's a part of it. No, no question. Brian Cashman's last couple of years have not been up to standard. You know, for every Wandy Peralta, Mike Talkman trade, there's the failures of building a lineup that can compete and be successful in the month of October. And spare me, it's a crapshoot. It's not a crapshoot for the Astros. When they're in the World Series year after year after year. The Yankees could have gotten themselves about five left-handed hitting outfielders this offseason. Think about it for a minute. They could have been on Conforto. They could have been on Cody Ballinger. 
They could have been in on David Peralta, who's playing well for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I like Waldo Cabrera, too, but I'm not making the calls. The Yankees should have signed one of those outfielders. They didn't want to get Benintendi five years, fine. They should have signed one of those outfielders. They didn't. You want to blame that on ownership? I'm not. I'm blaming it on the people who are running the team. Cashman, the analytics, the scouting, the manager, they're all not doing their job. And if you feel that they are, you haven't seen this team kind of erode and decay to the point where they're a couple of games over 500. They're the most soulless, joyless Yankee team that I can imagine in quite a while. And that should not be. With or without Aaron Judge. All right, who's next? JJ Justin in Miami. I mean, I think you just have to come to the conclusion. I, I just need to break it. But this team, this Yankee team, is just not good. To lose four out of six games to the Rockies and the Cubs, I mean, that, that is something that if you were, frankly, a, an 81 and 81 team, that would be bad. For a team that, you know, still like the fancies itself as some sort of contender, that, that, that's pretty catastrophic because you're not going to face an easier stretch of the season than this. And, and, and for those of us who think that, well, maybe this is going to turn around, let me ask you this. What if Aaron Judge coming back you know, and, and going off for like 20 home runs on the stretch. What, what world is that? Is that happening? I mean, this team's just not good. They don't have enough good players. The lineup isn't deep enough. The bullpen's probably pitched over its head. And other than Garrett Cole, I, I mean, unless you think Severino's going to turn it around, I, I don't see with this team. And to me, I, I think there's a certain thing you, you have to consider here, which is if this team is two, three out in, in, in August, you know, and the alternative is, you know, play Aaron Judge for six weeks at 50, 60% or 70% to try to sneak in or get the surgery so you know he's 100% for next year. I got to be honest with you. I'd rather see the surgery. Let's get Aaron Judge back fully healthy for next year. Hopefully, you know, missing the playoffs and potentially finishing last in the division is enough to, to, to spur some serious change. And if you do that, you still have judges, still have, oh, I mean, look, I don't think this is hopeless for two, three years, but this isn't the year. And you got to know when to cut your losses. To me, cut your losses means you got Aaron Judge signed for nine years. Let's, let's, let's make sure he's healthy for, for years two, three, and four. And let's get that surgery now because this team just doesn't have it. If you can't beat up on the Cubs and the Rockies, you know, I don't even think if you went five and one, that means, hey, you're back. But two and four, it's probably a pretty good sign this team's not very good. All right, talk to you later, man. Justin, I totally get it. Here's the question I have with the judge injury timetable. If judge waits till the end of this year to go and get the surgery, is it going to compromise 2024? If it's not, then I understand him taking this risk. And listen, he wants to be out there. He's a gamer. He loves playing baseball. He believes he could be a difference maker for the Yankees. That's all well and good. Aaron Judge by himself is not transforming this team into a championship contender. And you hit on it. You was four out of six to the Rockies and the Cubs. You can't hit consistently. You can't hit mediocre Colorado pitching. I don't know what has happened to my guy, Anthony Rizzo. He has been a home run in about two and a half months, for goodness sakes. They're tied with the Red Sox for last place. 90-plus games into the season. There's nothing I've seen that would lead me to believe that this is going to be the year. But... You know, the Yankees, according to the Yankees, of course, have a championship caliber operation. So, you know, you, you, how dare us? Shame on us for questioning the mighty, 
the mighty Brian Cashman in the front office in the analytics department that is so genius and so smart and so forward thinking that they have not made it to and have not won a World Series in 13 going on 14 years. But shame on us. Next, last but not least. Hey, JJ, this is Eric from Syracuse. Let's keep this short and sweet. I think we're uh, seeing the regression to the mean with this bullpen. They both have some good numbers over the first half, and now Boone's leaning on them more, and they just can't do it anymore. So I think that's going to trend continue this year. And also for, for anybody who wants to do a little fan duel betting, I'd say jump on the Yankees to miss the playoffs bet right now because that's what's going to happen. So talk to you later. Bye. You know, that Yankee to miss the playoffs number was pretty darn juicy about two weeks ago. And our buddy Raheem Palmer brought this up on the Ring of Gambling show. And maybe I was in denial, and I'm like, all right, the Yankees are going to find a way. They'll get Judge back. And there's still an avenue for them, oh, by the way, to go and find a way. But they're not making any noise if they get in. I've come to conclusion. I've come to grips with that. It is what it is. And I, and I hope that maybe I'm dead wrong, and we're all singing a different tune in October, saying, well, how in the world did we get here? Great. Wake me up if indeed that is the case. They just went and lost two out of three to the Colorado Rockies. And the Colorado Rockies, oh, by the way, did everything in their power on Sunday to hand the game to the New York Yankees. And the Yankees were like, no, we're not going to take it. Because when you're going bad, you find ways to lose. You saw it with the Mets on Saturday. You saw it with the Yankees on Sunday. When you're going bad, shit happens. And you find ways to lose. And these teams, not particularly good. Uninspiring, to say the least. All right, we'll have some fun. Mike Carver is going to do all the British Open stuff. We'll have a little fun with some NFL, uh, some futures, some over-unders early. But I want to hit on his thoughts on this Yankee regime because we text about it all the time. He might be more disgusted than I am, and, and that's saying something. So Mike Carver, our betting whiz for the golf sports grid. He joins us next. It's Christmas in July, and Santa Barkley is coming out of his summertime hiatus to give out tons of gifts to FanDuel customers. Right now, all customers have a chance to bet the rest of the MLB season on jolly old St. Chuck. Just placed a $5 bet on Major League Baseball through July the 18th to be entered to win. And listen, I'll give you two. The Baltimore Orioles live to win the American League. They're going at a pitcher. Team is super dangerous. They're pushing the Tampa Bay Rays. The other one I would think about, the Philadelphia Phillies. Been there, done that. Might want to invest in them in the National League. You want to make sure to be stay tuned all week for special guests from Santa Barkley, including profit boosts, no sweat best, bonus bed drops, and more. So this summer, get into the holiday spirit with America's number one sports book. Don't miss your chance to bet the rest of the MLB season on Santa Barkley with FanDuel. Place your $5 MLB bet now to be entered to win. Must be 21 plus in present select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. First online, real money wager only. Refund issued is not withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. I'm fired up to have Mike Carver on. We have the final major of the golf season. We're going to get to that. We got some NFL win totals that are early. We're going to get to those too. Before we do any of this, Mike, you're a big Yankee fan. Normally when I have you on, we don't do a lot of Yankees because we're so immersed in all the gambling stuff. How pathetic have the Yankees become, dude? And listen, I'm not surprised. They lose two out of three to the Cubs. They go and they can't hit it all at Coors Field. Even when the Rockies are trying to give them the game today, the Yankees can't find a way to take it. And then after the game, dude, 
they, they try to lecture you, hey, it's a long season. You can lose to bad teams. They're nowhere close. Dude, right now, I would hammer them to miss the postseason. Like, there's still good value probably in betting the Yankees to miss the postseason. I absolutely would uh, at this point. I think it's very possible. Let's let's just, just say it like it is, JJ. And it's always good to be with you, brother, uh, as always. Thank you. Let's just say it like it is. This is a loser organization now. It, it is. It, I mean, it's a loser mentality organization. This is not the same. And I know it's so tiring listening to people use the old well, this would never happen in George's day, uh, you know, nonsense. I know that that's a very tired narrative. But you want to know what, JJ? The more and more years go by, and the more and more the son, who, let's be fair, uh, he's he's not as good as he's, In terms of running a baseball team, he ain't his old man. I, I mean, let's just call it like it is. Um, they, they just get further and further away from what this organization was. It was a championship organization, an organization that, only cared about winning, not caring about anything else. This manager is another one, JJ. It's like a thinks he's a tough guy most of the time. Like, that's a legitimate question. You you lost to all these awful teams the past couple of weeks, and you deserve to be asked that. You're the New York Yankees, and the bar, JJ, has now been set so low. Like, you got people in here running around like they want to trade for Otani or sign Otani in the offseason. You think that this guy will actually be able to pull that off, even if he had the chance to do it? Come on. No shot. No, no shot. chance. And, and the no crazy chance. thing, Mike, is that I think people within that organization would look at you and I, and they would think we're the idiots. They would say, how dare Carver yeah. and how dare JJ question us? Where are the Yankees? Well, you don't act like the Yankees. You nope. don't win like the Yankees. And, and here's the other thing. I'm not demanding that the Yankees now go and recreate the 90s with winning a championship every year. Like, I understand no. baseball is hard to win, and it's it's hard to get. Th that's fine. But you haven't gotten there in 13 years. You haven't won in 13 years. So don't act like you are the Yankees that we're getting to and winning all these world championships. Like, you, th those days are uh, long gone, Mikey boy. They're long, long gone. They're long gone, and look, me and you have been at the front of the line. This team has needed a change in the leadership position for a while now. Hal doesn't want to do it because then he'd actually have to do some work around the baseball team. Like, he'd actually have to go and hire somebody else or find somebody else to do what Cashman has done for a very long time. And Johnny, he's done a lot for the Yankees, Brian Cashman. He has. We're not going to sit here and say Brian Cashman over 20 years, 20 plus years, has been a completely awful, pathetic general manager in New York. He's he not John Idzik. He's no, not Dave Gettleman. No, of course Gettleman. not. Correct. No, he's Correct. won championships. He makes the playoffs every single year. But the standards have lowered. And I'm tired of the crapshoot line at the end of the year, too. I don't want to hear that stuff. Well, you know, playoffs crapshoot. We well, it's total bullshit. Because, you know, we it's were, not a crapshoot for the Astros. What were you missing last the Astros, year? Mike. Uh, well, Johnny, who's that? Andrew Benintendi? I mean, that's why they lost to the Astros? I mean, seriously, dude. Like, enough. And they, I, I give you this line every time I'm with you. I text it to you. I even tweet at you for fun. They will never win with this manager. Ever. He is a loser, this manager. They will never win. He is a PR puppet. He's great with the media. And then, like, days like today, we could get 
tough with the media, get tough with the umpires. We, I don't know who makes the lineup. Could be Cashman, could be him. He is not a good manager, and the team has taken his mentality. They have. I think there's a lot to that, but it goes beyond him. You know it, and I know it, Mike. Because listen, I wanted him out. Oh, when they lost I know to that. Boston and it starts at the ago. top. Starts at the top. And you want to? You want to show me that? You, you want to know what? How? Become the evil empire again. Because guess what? The Yankees aren't anymore. They're not the evil. He spends three hundred twenty-five million dollars. What do you want more of him to do? Show me you're the evil empire again. You want to go get Otani and and three other players, JJ? Make it like it's uh, the evil empire. Make people hate the Yankees again. Because guess what? Nobody does anymore. They laugh at the Yankees. Look at the Yankees. <laughs> I mean, you got the guy who calls the games for the Mets. They're like, oh, look at the Yankees in last place against the Red Sox. I mean, honestly, they've become a joke. Go become the evil empire again. And for starters, clear out the entire operation if they miss the postseason this year. I'm not Everybody. just talking manager, GM, the analytics, the scouting, the scouting, the baby bombers, Mike was supposed to be this like cornerstone, this fixture of Yankee young players that were going to be here for a decade. Outside of Aaron Judge and to a lesser extent, Gleyber Torres, they all stink. They all are terrible, dude. Like that's on the scouting department. Listen, did they have teams in 18 and 19 that could have won the World Series? Yes, they, they did. Though they, they had some teams. Maybe they were a piece short. Did they get, quote unquote, cheated? One year, another thing I'm tired of hearing about. Yes, all right, fine. Well, whatever you, whatever excuse you want to make up. But they then took that group over that two-year period. They moved Girardi out because Girardi was too tough on Sanchez, and Girardi didn't like talking. You know, he got rough with the media, and they don't. And they had to bring Boone in, and then they never put the right pieces around guys, and some guys never got better. I think Torres, Johnny, obviously being at the front of the line. That guy has never become what we thought he was going to be. And, and look, that's that. It is what it's hard to blame them for that. They gave him, as they like to say, plenty of runway. If given him plenty of runway, right to show it, I'd be fine getting rid of him. I'd scrap the whole thing top to bottom. JJ, start over. It's a tough sell. Um, we actually have some things we're looking forward to, though. So let's start with the British. Then we'll have some fun with the NFL stuff. Sure. At this stage, Mike, we don't have the the odds for top five and for top ten, right. and they're going to come out in the days ahead uh, when it comes to FanDuel and where we place our wagers. But when it comes to the British in general, there's certain conditions that come into play. There's a certain style that comes into play. Some guys do really well across the pond. Other guys do really poorly across the pond. From a British Open Guys we like type of standpoint. What kind of players are we looking for over the next few days? Well, look, I think that we're looking for the guys as always. And I said this to you when we did the U.S. Open as well. We want to definitely put some guys who are good on very tough courses and very tough conditions. This is a very tough golf course at Royal Liverpool. Uh, it is. It's Johnny. It's right on the water. This wind is going to be biting. This is going to be some typical traditional um, open championship type of weather, uh, especially and, and all four days, really, uh, with the heaviest rain, uh, I believe, about Friday and Saturday. Um, hopefully, they're able to play through it because I hate delays. It's awful for betting as well. But I, I just think you need guys who are good in these conditions, guys who have been there before, 
You always like to lean a little bit to the Europeans in this, especially guys that play in some tough spots. Irish Bear is a former winner here, Shane Lowry. Uh, now, everybody loves Fleetwood, and he plays well in tough conditions. Tommy Fleetwood's got to win a golf tournament before I continue to jump on Tommy Fleetwood. And it was awful teed. at the Scottish. I took him he in the was, Scottish. It was awful well, this week. Well, well, look, awful's hard. He did what he usually does, JJ. He teases you on Saturday with yeah. some monster seven or eight under round, and then he hypes you up getting himself into the top five going into Sunday. He's in the final group with Rory and Tom Kim, and then he shoots three over. Like, it's just, he, it, he teases you way too often, in the, or he does the other backwards. He plays awful the first three days and then shoots the 62 or 63 on Sunday. And then you look at the thing at the end and you go, wow, Tommy Fleetwood finished in the top 10? How the hell did that happen? Yeah. Like, so it's, very, it's a little deceiving. I'm tired of betting Tommy Fleetwood to win in these things. But Shane Lowry, I'm not. We know that Brooks Kepka is tough on every single course. Did you know, John? We, and we think of Kepka obviously, because he's won the U.S. Open and the PGA. But did you know that his British Open history, the Open Championship, my apologies, Mike Tirico, uh, is actually very, very good. He's got four top tens, Johnny, in his last six uh, Open Championships. So even he plays well on uh, the other side of the pond. Kepka 20 to 1. Last year's winner, yeah. Cameron Smith, who was brilliant in chasing down Rory McElroy. He's 16 to 1. Rory's the favorite. Carver, he wins the Scottish Open. Had a nice comeback in the Scottish Open on Sunday. But Rory, again, in these majors, I have no problem betting him top 10. I don't even have yeah. an issue betting him top five. It, it's tough for me to go down that road, though. Like, out of the two favorites, between Rory and Scotty, who do you like more? From a, from a head standpoint, looking at it from a you know, unbiased betting <laughs> situation. I think you have to play Scheffler over him. Um, uh, Scheffler has been a, an absolute machine, uh, Johnny. I, I texted you this earlier. He has now finished in the top five in his last seven tournaments. I believe it's 12 out of 14. He hasn't finished outside the top 12 in almost a year. So, uh, I mean, he is there every single week. If you have any promos, JJ, where you see like, you know, money bag for top 10, money bag for top five, things like that. I think that Scheffler is a guy that you want to use in that spot. As I say all of that, I have a lot of emotion personally uh, when it comes to Rory uh, with the Open Championship. I want to see him win another one. So outside of you know, looking at this objectively from a, a betting board, and I, I'm going to have something on Rory McIlroy because I want to be there. The horn Johnny. might be it, talking a little bit there. Okay. The, I want I okay. want to be there. But, uh, but you are so right. And looking at it objectively, you're so right. He hasn't gotten it done in these spots. And I don't know if it helps or hurts him that he won the Scottish uh, this past week. I, I mean, it, you would think it could only help. My thing is, he's been in the mix on Sunday in majors the last year, a couple times with leads, and he he plays too timid. He doesn't go for it. You saw it at the U.S. Open where, you know, he just it was just par, 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 par. He wasn't taking the shots. Wyndham Clark ends up winning it. Last year here at the Open Championship when they were, of course, uh, at St. Andrews, had the lead in the final round. Par, 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 par. Cam Smith blows him away on the back nine and just, blows right past him. Rory has to take this stuff. And if he's in the mix, Johnny, on Sunday, 
You can't just play safe. He's got to go after some stuff and take this tournament. Okay. When you're in the 30 to 1 or greater category, yes. two guys stood out to me here, Carver. Two guys. One you know because you put it in the chat, and I bet it. I announced that I was betting it the other day. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, who to me has the sort of game, you look for the emotional angle, knows the thing or two about playing in these conditions. He spent time across the pond playing in all sorts of events. Maybe not the British Open or the Open Championship, whatever we're calling it. But in these sort of type of feel, the day, the look, the, everything that the British provides, I'm seeing 45 to 1 for Fitzpatrick. I like that. Here's the other one I like. Justin Rose. Justin Rose at 50 to 1. Thoughts on both of those, Mikey C? Because I think I'm firing on both. Uh, I am going to 100% <laughs> be with you on Matthew Fitzpatrick. Okay. Matthew Fitzpatrick is the kind of guy that we talked about earlier. Uh, he plays well at tough golf courses. He plays well in tough conditions. Now, his open history, his best finish is actually a top, is uh, tied for 20th, which was in 2019. So he doesn't have a lot of any T10s, T5s. You know, he, he doesn't have any of that stuff. But at 45 to 1, for a guy that plays the way he does, I, that, it's got to be on my card. Uh, the number is too good for me. Uh, so I'm absolutely going to be there for Fitzpatrick. I have a problem with Justin Rose, Johnny. I won't be betting him. Um, you got God bless you if you want to. I can't stand the guy. So he's not going to be on my card. But at 50 to 1, uh, if you want to take your shot at Pig Rose, uh, by all means, go ahead and do it. Now, remember this, though, with the English guys. There has not been an Englishman that has won the Open Championship since Faldo in 92. It's a been, long time. It, I, wow. I, I think that there is some added pressure on some of these guys from me. And trying to be the guy I, to bring I it really home. Do. I can see that. Whether it's, whether it's Fleetwood or Justin Rose or even, or, you know, those guys have been at it a while. Fitzpatrick the last four or five years. You know, there's just, there's a block of guys from England that maybe it is a little bit of pressure uh, falling on them, Johnny. So, uh, I am definitely going to be in uh, on Fitzpatrick. He's probably, and I might find a guy deeper down the board, but as of right now, might be the only Englishman uh, that I'm going to currently play outright to win the whole thing. Maybe Hatton. Too. Uh, Hatton you, you know, Hatton's had a great year, Tyrrell Hatton. But he and also, you feel like he's uh, a guy that's poised to break through. He is poised to break through. He'll drive you nuts, though. Uh, you know, he'll 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 have just an amazing round, and then he'll just have a round where he's throwing clubs all over the place. And his and he, ha even though he's had a great year here in 2023, his performance in the other three majors hasn't been good. So that's a little weird to me. He's played well everywhere except in the majors. So I'm probably going to pass at least pre-tournament on hat. All right, you mentioned deeper down the board. Yeah. Give me somebody, Mikey, deeper down the board that I know we don't have five and 10 and even top 20 for that matter, right. but who is a guy that we should have circled greater than that like 60 right. to one variety? Let me just give you one. I'm, give me one more from the 30s, Johnny. I, I think that sure. Morikawa is a good play at 35. So okay, you like Morikawa is... more so than like a Spieth, let's say. I like both guys. Spieth okay. has a little bit of emotion for me too, but Unlike with the Rory situation, I can kind of let him go a little bit. I would rather play Morikawa over Spieth. I like the way he's played. He's 
at least coming into this. He played well in Detroit a few weeks ago. Didn't play this past week at the Scottish. Uh, a, a few guys, him and Rom, were, were a couple of the guys who did not play uh, over at the Scottish Open. Uh, and Morikawa is a former Open Championship winner, just won it a couple years ago. So he has the kind of game that can play at these courses. Now, you want to get real deep, let's go to the 60s. Now, these guys, like you said, look for numbers on these guys, top 20, top 10. Um, always you know, black yourself up. If you're going to outright these guys, also play them 10s and 20s. Minwoo Lee is a guy that I want to look at at 60-1. to 1. Plays very well on these Lynx courses, has played well this year. I think he's a guy that I want to fire in on. Bobby Mack, who obviously got it taken from him at the Scottish on Sunday by Rory. Bobby McIntyre, uh, and listen, he was 90-1 to 1 on Sunday morning, and now he's 70-1, to 1, Johnny. So obviously the good performance in Scotland, going to move back. In fact, I would wait. If you do want to play Bobby McIntyre, I would wait till Wednesday because I think that there's an initial, obviously, boost up here with how he played. Nobody's going to bet him. And I think you'll see that number slip back to where it was in the 80, 85, maybe even 90 range. So I'd hold out. I'm playing Patrick. I play Patrick Reed at every major. Me and you do this. It's record stuff. He's, he plays well on tough golf courses. He's always there, bro. And he's always I want to have him on top my five, card. Top 10. He's, I like that. He's always there on tough courses. Um, and when we get seriously deep, Past the you know past the hundred mark even. You ever seen Matsuyama hundred to one before Johnny at one of these majors? You know that's a that's a big number for Hideki, despite not a very good Open champion. Not had a good history. year. Is that he is not, does that like kind of give you shades though with JT like we were talking about at the U.S. Open where that number just yeah. like was was so appetizing for JT huh, and it just, man, just hasn't been JT's year. It's been a little 60, bit better lately. Sixty to 61. one this week. He's sixty to 60. one this week for JT. Like that's, you know, for Justin Thomas, a former multiple time major winner, that's very, very juicy. Um, further down, maybe not so much for an outright, but definitely when you get to the 20s, 30s, and 40s tops, Padraig Harrington. Old Potty played well at the Scottish. He's 150 to 1. I want to have something there. Uh, Sahith Tagala's 170 to 1. It's been up and down. Kitayama, play him top 20 and top 30. Plays well at these links courses. He kind of teased us a little bit this week. I added him after Friday night, and then he fell apart for me on Saturday. But Kitiana plays well uh, at these places as well. Even Gary Woodland, too, uh, Johnny. His game's kind of suited to these types of courses as well. All right. Since I have you here, great stuff on the British. A couple of football thoughts before we say goodbye. First off, sure. Hopkins takes the money. No interest in KC, no interest in your bills. I'm happy it doesn't end up in New England. Tennessee, plus 310 to win the AFC South. You and I love Peterson. I'm a Trevor Lawrence guy. But you're telling me a team that's got a good coach in Vrabel, good defense, great running game, and now it's Hopkins. That's, that's decent value, Mike, plus 310 to go and win that division. Any interest? Um, it's decent value. But I'm gonna sell. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be in You're on the passing. Tennessee Titans. You're not getting I, invested in I, Ryan like, Tannehill like, in the Titans. Tannehill, Tannehill's. They they he they had their two year window where Tannehill actually played like a capable NFL quarterback. You know they had it and they and he played like he, he's Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs when they were the one seed. You know that's kind of how it went. I don't think the defense is as good as it's been the last few years, and I think you have. I think that eventually. You're going to start to see more decline on Henry. 
He's an unbelievable player. I love Derrick Henry. He can't uh, do this every year. Two years ago, injured. Last year, numbers tell you that it wasn't too much off. Um, Offensive line has lost some pieces. I don't think that will be as good. So I think you could start to see the Henry numbers maybe take a small dive. And I'm sorry, I'm down on DeAndre Hopkins. And it's not even so much that he didn't go to the Bills, Johnny, because I never thought that was actually going to happen anyway. But I would have thought he would have found his way taken a lot less money and went to either the Chiefs or the Bills or, or somebody where he you know, had a legitimate chance to win a championship. And But, you know, he's going to get a lot of money in Tennessee the next few years, so God bless him. If that's what's important, that's what's important. Passes up the idea of playing with Mahomes, uh, decides the paycheck most important. Hey, listen, I, I get it. Money talks. Yeah. Money talks, but don't expect to win Money talks, a-, a ring you know? with Ryan Tannehill. I'm selling. Let's just put it that way. They might win I'd the division. I'd take their under, too. They're I'm on their winning. under. So, yeah, so you are down on the Titans. I'm on their under. See, I think the Titans with that coach, yeah. though, that coach is good, man. That coach can win you a couple of games in a division where you got the Colts and you got the crummy Texans. And listen, as good as Jacksonville was, they still were a nine-win football team a year ago. It's not like they went one of a right. gazillion games. I'll admit, I'm not on the train. And, and he, that's why there's this, a little outside to this, like you just said. I'm not on the train that the Jaguars, because they made the playoffs last year, are going to be some 13-win football team this year. I am not ready uh, to do any of that. So I think that that's what some people have been penciled in as. I think some people think that, that the Jaguars are going to go 6-0 and in the AFC South. And, you know, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be a, a bunch of games and get to and 11 or 12 and wins. Gonna, and they're going to be yeah. a two seed in the AFC. I'm not ready to go there with them yet. I, I'm just not. As much as I like Peterson, as much as Lawrence finally, you know, took a little step and looked like an NFL quarterback last year, I'm not ready to put him there. Okay. When will you start firing on these win totals? Have you already? Uh, only, t- I think only two so far. Only two. Uh, if you don't mind me uh, asking, what are the two? The two that uh, I have already put in was I am on uh, the Niners under 10 and a half. Down I, on oh, the I'm, Niners. I'm going Interesting. after them again. Oh, I'm going after them. I feel like it's personal with you with the Niners. Every um, year they're winning games and you just want to fade them. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not a believer that Brock Purdy is, uh, you know, I just, I don't believe it. Uh, and, and let's, they clearly don't like Lance, so he's finished, right? They're done with him. That's pretty obvious uh, at this point. They think that Purdy's going to come back off of this injury, and I don't think he's that good to begin with. I don't care what I saw over the last five weeks last year. And then if those two guys aren't in there, who is? Sam Darnold. They got a quarterback situation that I think over an entire season is going to be a problem for them. I'm, uh, I'm selling I'm on the under 10 and a half. Rest of the team is so good, though, dude. They're Caffrey so good. probably only play half the games. He, he misses never plays. time. Debo misses he time. Never, but he never lines, plays a whole season. That, that's where they get you, though, Mike. Their offensive and defensive lines are top-notch, dude. They're top-notch. Now, again, you want to tell me you like Seattle? You think the Rams are going to be a little bit better? I think the Rams Arizona's are going to be gonna better. Stink. I think Arizona's going to be, be one of the worst teams in the league. The Rams, I mean, it can't be any worse. can't be any worse. They'll obviously they can't be worse than last year. They're going to be better. I think that they're going to get back into maybe even a playoff contention because I don't think just like last year, I don't think NFC is that good in that middle to bottom tier. There, there just isn't. And you're right. The nine because I'm saying that the Niners probably will find their way to ten wins, but hopefully they don't find their way to eleven. 
They can go 10 hey, and 7 if they need. want. They can go 10 and 10 7. 10 and 7 that's, win that's, a division. That's, that's fine with me. <laughs> Just don't Cash go 11 and 6. That's it. And uh, the okay. other one that I'm on is. What was uh, the other one? Mm-hmm. The, the other one is the Jets. I'm oh, on, look uh, at you. And uh, which way are you going on the Jets? Uh, under nine and a half. I'm on the under oh, nine I'm and sure, a half. I'm sure, the, the uh, I'm sure the audience is going to be thrilled to hear that I'm one. on the under nine and a half. I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear it anymore, to be quite honest. Now, when you would you consider with the Jets an alt win total? Look, I, I think that there are some scenarios where, sure, I think that there could be a little uh, under seven. What, the, what was the price for under seven and a half? Hold on a second. You, you sent it to me. It was it was outrageously good. I did. It I was texted like it to you when I saw it. Let me bring it back up here because I have uh, a little bit. Plus 250 for under seven and a half. I see if some. If you're betting yeah, on listen, crash and burn this, potential. That's your your avenue to crash and burn potential. You can't sit out there with a straight face and not think there's at least some percentage chance that this Jet season looks a lot like the Met one that you're watching right now. You can't tell me that. I think that's a, a Jet fan worst that nightmare. That Aaron Rodgers is basically their I version of Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander. I think best case scenario for the Jets is that he's, you know, reincarnated. <laughs> it's Tom Brady going to Tampa. Worst case is Mets 2023. You nailed it. But uh, even, look, they can absolutely be a playoff team this year. I'm going after the under, but they could be a, they could be in the playoffs. But to again, there's people marching, you know, acting like they're going to go 13-4 and four and be the top seed in the AFC. I I don't see that. I still think they're the third best team in their division. I think the Bills in Miami are better than them. Now, two is going to play. Yes, I'm going under the assumption that two is going to play, Johnny. That's why I think that I think that top to bottom, they're better than them. It's just it's that simple. I do. It's going to be a very fascinating couple of months in the AFC. It's a lot more fascinating than this New York baseball season. That's for sure. You can't get there fast uh, enough right now at this point. Football cannot get there fast enough. So brutal. We need the football in the worst way. College, pro, I mean, listen, we're like 41 days away from Notre Dame and Navy over in Dublin. At and the, the day after the JJ uh, nuptials. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. It's the, the day, day after, after the nuptials. That weekend is, is college football over in Dublin. There's a couple of week zero games that day. There's a UConn game that day, too. There's a couple teams playing uh, on that first Saturday. But yes, uh, it cannot get here fast enough. But at least I got the golf to hold me up. Golf's been hot, JJ, too. Just to let everybody know. Golf's been scorching hot. We What's the, the official the pick action. for the British? Uh, the official pick. Bunch. We don't know yet? Uh, well, uh, you know me. I, I usually play six. It's a six-pack for me. I mean, I play six out of 155 guys. So that's usually where I go. I can tell you, without question, in the six-pack, will be Cameron Smith, Shane Lowry, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Without question, that's three of the six uh, that I'm going to play. I've got two or three more days to uh, figure out who the other three are going to be, and Morikawa actually, too. So I think four of the six I kind of have locked in, and i got to figure out the other two spots over the next... I'm not counting Rory. That's an emotion play, Johnny. The Rory one's going to be on I the side. That. It's an emotion play. But I understand that. And a couple of big winners. winners. Find me a couple of 100, 120 to one like you did hey. with Keegan Bradley at the Travelers and let's go. We got we we hit Keegan at the Travelers. The next week we hit Ricky at the at the Rocket Mortgage. The next week we hit Sepp Straka at the John Deere. So we've 
the Scottish actually broke the string. I had three weeks in a row without rights. So we're, we're hoping we can get back on the horse here over at uh, Royal Liverpool. Carver, let's make it four out of five. Uh, where can we follow all your outstanding golf content on these social media? And of course, yes. we know to find you on SportsGrid. Uh, at Carver High underscore on Twitter, as always, on SportsGrid every Monday through Friday with Pharrell from three to six in the afternoon. And then myself at night, 10 to midnight east on the radio side uh, with uh, Joe Lisi. That's on Sirius XM 159. So we have that every week. A lot of golf talk this week, John. A lot of golf. Buddy, buckle up. Uh, I will see you in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, I will see you out on the golf course before the big day. Uh, we got to work that out. I know you had an opening Saturday. I got I can't I, do I, it. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I'm like, listen, you know how it goes. I'm, you know, Nicole's like, listen, you know, we're going to my friend's house Saturday afternoon. Does that mean that I got the Saturday afternoon free? She's like, yeah. It's like, I'm going to try to play some golf. I mean, let's go. Here. Yeah, as I you should. Play, as I'll you go should. Play, I'll go play 18 by myself, Johnny, if nobody's I don't play. blame you. That's I'm going to try to get myself onto uh, Beth Page Red uh, maybe on Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock. <laughs> well, Mikey, good luck with that. That's the great Mike Carver. We'll talk soon. See you, Johnny. Thanks. All right, trivia time. Larry, a lot of immaculate grid. Stefan even sent me over the NBA grid, which, by the way, is tough for me. I feel like my memory with the baseball and the crossing paths and the teams is just it's right up my wheelhouse. It's my vernacular. Basketball, I'll, I'll get there. But like the journeyman basketball guys sometimes take me a little bit of time. So, Larry, the floor is yours. What do you got for me for trivia? Hey, Larry. Okay. Uh, in 98, the year of the home run, there was four guys that had 30 or more home runs at the All-Star break. Can you name them? Question two is, in the wild card area, wild card era, 95 and up, what pitcher has thrown the most pitches in a playoff game? I'm out. I appreciate that, Larry. All right, I'm going with the wild card era. Most pitches in a playoff game. I have two guesses. One, David Cohn, game five, 95 against the Mariners. How about that? One for one. The other guess would have been Al Leiter in game five of the 2000 World Series, but I'll never forget that game five heroic performance by David Cohn. And it's just, I'm still haunted by the Doug Strange walk and everything that transpired. The only thing that makes that time period better is knowing what happened after the fact for the Yankees, which is four titles out of five years, which, by the way, feels like another lifetime ago, considering the Yankees have not gone to and have not won a World Series since 2009. So, yeah, I'm a little nostalgic about those days. All right, the other question. It's a good one. 98, four guys, 30-plus home runs at the All-Star break. All right, you got to go with the obvious. Number one, Mark McGuire. Number two, slamming uh, Sammy Sosa. Number three, Ken Griffey Jr. A lot of people thought Griffey was going to break the record that year, and then he got hurt. The last one, and I feel good about this, Stefan. He had a monster year for the San Diego Padres. Greg Vaughn. Let's go. Come get some, Larry. Come get some. I was ready for you, baby. I was ready for you. No nonsense today. No buzzer today. Mm. Pimp that shit. I know you're going to kick my ass next week, but I'm going to enjoy this moment. and I'm going to celebrate. All right, Steph, before we go, Jeff Bunny, floor is yours. 
What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks for me from Monday the 17th. I got one play. I'm going to go with the LA Angels minus the 135 over the New York Yankees. Again, I'm going to go with the LA Angels minus the 135. Let's see what you got on tap. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. So I'm looking now, Money. The Angels, and I'm not dialed into Sunday Night Baseball, but I was watching earlier today before we started the pod, they had a big lead on the Astros. Let that go right down the toilet. I actually would play the Yankees tomorrow. It opened at 140. It's down to 125. I know Severino has stunk. I actually would be dumb enough to bet on the Yankees tomorrow if I had to play the game. So I'll go heads up with you, Jeff Money. Uh, And we could put maybe a beverage on the line the next time I see you at one of our live shows. Which, by the way, that is something we are in the lab trying to figure out. Listen, there's a lot going on. between. The wedding that's coming up next month. All the stuff we have going on with the show. But we are going to have a banger of a live show. I can promise you that will be happening within the next few months. And I hope to hear and see and, and hug all of you. I really do. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks here. We'll see if next week the Subway Series has any pulse and any juice, depending on what these teams do over the course of the week. Uh, and training camp. Stefan and I are going to have to make our way to Forum Park and out to East Rutherford because... We got two rather interesting football teams coming up to kick off this 2023 season. So we're going to be doing a lot of football coming up over the next few weeks. Good job by Stefan. Want to thank our buddy Carver. We'll be back on the New York feed on Thursday. We will be back on Tuesday for East Coast Bias with the Ring of Gambling crew. Starting to look ahead to football and everything that comes with it in the British Open. And you want to follow us on our social media platforms, TikTok. Instagram, all that good stuff. We got you covered. On that note, JJ out. Enjoy your Monday. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present. Select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas. Under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem, call 100Gambler or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100NextStep or text NextStep to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 109 within Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.